Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm gonna stick to a strategy. I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? So let me do some sort of introduction of you because I, um, again, I'm just kind of a fangirl right now. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm thrilled. You're probably my very first one I think that I really know about, so I'm really thrilled. <laughs> oh, well, and so, but Ray says to me, you need to meet Joe. Like, she's kind of in your space, and she's in my space, and he and I talk marketing together, So, and he's one of my favorite people, so when he says you should do this, I just jump. Um, but your approach to personal branding has me so excited. And I started reading, I was texting a friend of mine last night too, because we joke around about having superpowers, but this thing you have, okay, so I'm getting out of, I'm getting out of order here. Let's go back to the fact that Joe Baldwin Trot has spent a, you started out, you spent a year working in the Australian Outback. Mm-hmm. Then you obtained a honors degree in business management. Yeah. So instead of going off onto some big corporation, then you go be a police officer for seven years. And then a postgrad degree in primary education. You're the mother of twins. You sing in a band. You love to ski and surf. You love yoga. You practice, is it Reiki? Is that Reiki, how Reiki. Reiki, which by the way, I started watching a YouTube video on that yesterday too. <laughs> I thought, where's that been my whole life? Change your life, or change your life. Well, yeah. And if all of that isn't just amazing, you're working with the parliament in Britain <laughs> through the 50-50 program to get more gender balance in the government. You know, just the little thing like your country's government. You have a publishing company. You have a book launching this week about women in leadership. There was a remote working book, which you just flipped around last month and made a pandemic version. All of these are available on Amazon in the United States. You work with leaders. You have worked with television celebrities, doctors, authors. You have a Zoom TV show. You have a YouTube channel. You do consulting. You're in the in beauty and design I'm exhausted just covering all of the things that you do. And you're like, I stopped last night and looked at my husband and I said, she's got twins and all of this. Imagine how amazing those kids are. <laughs> well, I hope so. I don't really see them. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> so how old are the twins now? Well, they're 13 
now. So it's much easier than it used to be. Oh, yes. That's how old my son is, too. So I'm far less cool to him now that he's a teenager. (laughs) I'm embarrassing. Yeah. It's like, oh, mom's mom's off to work. And yeah. Whatever. But I will definitely put links to all of these places that folks can find you and your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, your YouTube channel, all of those things. But when I look at what I find through my transformations in life, um, which have been not as cool as yours by any stretch of the imagination, I thought being in the business world and then being an educator You've clearly taken all those to another level, but I lean on that for empathy and insight so much because I feel like every time we transition in life, we kind of reinvent ourselves. So, and I know you mentioned on your website that you'd been thinking about creating a book or writing a book since you were six years old, and clearly you had a lot of great influences um, growing up, but how do you take all of those experiences and help people? clearly that's your superpower but uh, well I guess I just listen um and how I help people is just by listening and hearing the kind of comparability so because most things have happened to me (laughs) you know like I've nearly died quite a lot of times they've been in the middle of the act like Australia for a while I've put myself under well, either by default or by um, design, because everything is a design, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I just listen and I can empathize and relate with so much. I can empathize with harassment, discrimination. I can empathize with leadership struggles. Uh, I can empathize with kind of being the newbie on the block. I've worked in 60 different organizations. Um, so I've been the times I can really relate to that. I can relate to grow, going into a new career like a completely new career parenthood you know a whole big topic topic in itself mm-hmm. the CEO of being uh, as the CEO of your family which is what you are when you're a parent um so because I can empathize I think that's why people suddenly I can I can hear the underneath layers of what's really on for people and that's what I draw out and they're like they don't even realize what what that is um and so I think that's why I can do what I do well and I love this this sentence from your website she gets why we hide why we create our uniform and why we show up as average oh my gosh every every human but especially every woman has to feel seen in that right right and many men too by the way yeah. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I think that's just a human thing, but definitely, yeah. Yeah, sadly, um, especially in the UK, but you know, across the world, we have conditioned ourselves to feel like we've got to blend in. We've conditioned ourselves to ignore our uniqueness and tune ourselves in to so that we can actually just be one of the norm. Um, and this is there's many reasons why we've done that, but it's mostly a coping strategy. Um, but the very thing we should be doing, and this is part of my message and what will be one of my next books, is valuing your uniqueness and how you can only show up in the world. You, Anna, can only show up as you in the world. And that is something to celebrate, to validate, 
And then actually, it's also really important to work out what does that mean? What, what, what superpowers, what special gifts have I learned? Have I got? Have I been nurtured through? Um, and what can I do uniquely that allows um, my gift to come to the world? And it could be anything. It could be inventing something random, uh, like, you know, Tesla cars or something. But, you know, who knows? We've all got something. We've all got something unique. And I really believe it's, uh, it's like our dharma. I don't know if you've heard of the word dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. It's our dharmic moment, really. You know, it's what exists within us. Um, and I think this is the flip side of actually uh, forgetting the whole success, uh, forgetting the financial reward, letting all of that go. That will all come if you pursue and follow your heart and your passion, your desire that comes from within. It will come to you anyway. But that if you focus on just being you and just looking like you, like wearing bright pink with blue flowers on, which I'm wearing today, I wouldn't have worn this 10, 15 years ago because I would have been here in Navy or probably wearing, no offense, but something quite plain and simple and something like it probably would have looked very similar. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I had this moment when I was just after my twins were born and I had to do this color party with clothes and I had to sit in front of this mirror and I suddenly realized I was hiding, hiding myself from the world, hiding from my truth. And I was spending my life doing what everyone else wanted me to and what I thought I should do, not what I wanted to do. And that was painful. I spent 40 minutes. Honestly, I was in bits inside. Mm-hmm. It was painful. And I just thought, I'm looking at this mirror, not liking who I see. I don't even know who this person is. So that was my promise to myself from then on. And so I ditched the husband, ditched wearing black, anything black, um, divorced both of them at the same time <laughs> and, uh, and changed my life. You know, got ditched some of my family. They went out as well. Um, you know, I just changed my life because I suddenly realized, actually, I have a choice. And this is what people forget. They forget they don't, that they have a choice. They think they are stuck somewhere. And even right now, we're not stuck in our homes. Not really. We can do different things. We can be creative. We can do whatever we like if we want to, if we choose. But you have to make that one second, split second moment of decision to choose to be you. You have to choose yourself. And yeah. that's not how we're, can, you mentioned nurturing. And so, I mean, th- that is not how most of us have been raised. And I hope one of your future books is on how to do this as parents. Because as an educator, my husband teaches in a junior high and I've taught high school and college. I see the products of what these parents do in the name of love and their box of what success looks like and how they try to fit these children in it. And it creates more of what you're talking about that I'm fitting in. We pat them on the head and tell them what they can be when they grow up, but it's never be yourself, right? It's no, you can't be an artist because you'll never earn a living. You need to go do this skill or that skill. We give them the what all the time. And that is hopefully changing. And I love that your moment happened in front of a mirror. Because that's, I've been talking a lot about lenses and how to talk to yourself and confront yourself and pull all of this out of yourself. Because some, for some of us, it's deep down in there and you do get far in life where you're of an age and into your marriage or your career or whatever it is that your, your wardrobe, (laughs) whatever it is that you're into and you're so far in and you think, well, I'll just make the best of it. But according, you know, like talking about your Dharma and those things, it's so much farther away from you. 
And the more distanced you are from those things, I think there's more room for, I just, I call it like a vortex or like a, it's just a mess between you and where you're supposed to be and you and who you really are. So how do you start reversing that with people when you talk to them? Because you're more than likely, I mean, granted, and I think that this was brought up well in the first couple pages of your new book yesterday when I was looking, it's like, you are reading these words. So you have taken the first step, right? It's a book about women in leadership. And it's, you really hit us on the head with that in the simple wording of you're reading this. So you already want to be a woman in leadership or do better, which I think is so true. So if people are listening to your voice, they've already come to some sort of a decision on their own. But like, how do you start to help them with that? Because some, for some people, it's buried so deep. Well, firstly, just recognizing that one thing you just said, one tiny moment, one tiny moment of pause and of uh, reflection of what is happening right now for me and and that is just an that is something that we really need to that's a muscle we need to actually build on is what is really going on for me internally where am I feeling this what is going on is it my head my heart my gut what is going on so it's actually tuning into that internal voice that we all have that we just don't listen to. We listen to every single voice around us. We listen to media. We listen to everything else that comes from the exterior. We don't listen to the most important voice. That's the inside one. So so by, by recognizing that actually you can change literally in a heartbeat, you can change because ripples are the most powerful thing that create the waves that eventually come. So we can actually just create a moment in a just a, a pause like I did in front of that mirror I did nothing for two and a half years because I couldn't afford to I was stuck with little ones and I just stayed where I was in theory but I didn't because I did everything that I I did everything to prepare and I visualized a different life for myself but how, how it all starts is by saying to yourself what are my absolute real deep down values what really matters to me And what am I doing about them? Because so many people live a life that is doing a job that doesn't adhere to their values. They've just kind of tumbled into it. It started off with X and then Y came along. Like, oh, okay, let's do that. And oh, yeah, let's promotion. You know, there's a great guy called Gary Stern who is in Florida actually, Um, and he's um, he's a kind of um, a colleague of mine. Um, and he, we work together occasionally sometimes. And he, he had that moment and he was earning mega bucks for a pharmaceutical company, doing really well. And suddenly he realized, what am I doing with my life? Um, and sadly, what happens is that is often triggered by something that is unfortunate. So he nearly had a complete meltdown. Um, and often that is when our bodies and our spirit and our soul, I believe, kicks in. When something really goes horribly wrong, mm-hmm. um, and I've had quite a few of those. Um, personally, I really believe that's our kundalini kicking in. I don't know if you know that that word, but the kundalini is where we where we kind of manifest ourselves from within on a spiritual soul point of view. Um, and I think when we get either get really sick, or we have a near death experience, or like some horrid car accident that literally, if we'd gone. You know, I've had so many of those. And I think actually every time we have something that happens really bad to us, suddenly go, hold on a minute. What the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. Right now? Um, but we can we don't need to wait that long <laughs> or, or right. wait for something <laughs> horrid to come along. 
do it right now, but literally just getting a pet, a piece of paper and a pen and saying, what are my real values? What matters to me? And am I living a life that really fulfills those values? Does my business reflect the values I really have? My client on Monday, he's got a phenomenal business, but that his one of his core values was nowhere near his business. The thing that matters the most to him about doing the business he does was not reflected in the way he works with his staff, his colleagues, and therefore he's kind of being the empty shell walking around. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it then is about giving yourself permission and saying, mm-hmm. it matters to me. Why doesn't my life replicate that? Why am I not amplifying that value I have? Because it comes from within and that's when the magic happens. Well, and I think that if we would stop and think about what you just said, we don't have to wait for those big moments because when you are so off kilter, your body tells you things through stress, through anxiety, through emotions, the the universe and everything, you're running into obstacles and you're fighting hard. The energy I think it takes to do things outside of your truth or outside of your values and outside of who you were really meant to be is exhausting. <laughs> so exhausting. And I think it, the idea of a list and starting those things, because one of the other quotes that you had that I think is brilliant from the book, to lead, we must finally let go of comparing, right? We can't compare our clothes, our hair, our shoes, our degrees, our experience. We can't compare our bodies, our voices, anything, whether it's choosing to dress for yourself, showing up for yourself. But at what point do you seek help then? Right. Like you sit down with yourself and you write this list and you do these things. And then I think, in my opinion, and I would love to hear yours, obviously, but is it that you get comfortable with your list and then you start talking to other people who are in that same space? Like what comes after the list? So the list, then you have to narrow it down because, you know, there is often that, well, there's always one, one core part of you that you're, you're completely ignoring. And it's generally the, the 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 one value that actually generally matters the most, but we don't we're not living by that value. Um, so you look at that and go, okay, well, what what can I do right now? So it's very much like I've written in the chapter. What can I do? What one tiny weeny thing can I do right now to bring that value into play right now? Um, so for my client, I literally said, right, okay, what does to speak to his. Um, core of eight women staff he's in accounting and he was about to speak to them on a one-to-one basis checking with them so well, what can you do about how can you approach this business but obviously it's the same with your home you just you check to your other half you say but why am I not I don't know just taking it to the other extreme a, a friend of mine who's in South Africa really properly stuck right now they literally if they go out they get arrested um, you know, she is stuck in her home and she suddenly realized she loves, loves archaeology. What we've come from in our history matters so much to her. She's never done anything about it. So when she comes back to the UK, which she'll do in a few months, the first thing she's going to do is do an archaeology course. It, it, it can be something really random like that. Actually, what it, on, on paper, it's an archaeology course, but it's not, is it? Because about her value, she loves history she knows she makes me feel really stupid she knows so much about <laughs> I didn't know a little skimming of the top she knows so much about history about English history the world global history 
Um, and she. But look at what our success is right now is looking back at history from pandemics. And I mean, it's so important. It is. And I just want to finish up with another little um, point that you raised is that the whole, the, one of the really important parts of the book for me was to really um, give women the permission to actually lead the way they want to. Um, and lead the way, not just a blooming team. It's not about having 25 people with you. It's not about being the head or the CEO. It's not about being Sheryl Sandberg. It's about being you and about being me. Um, and we lead our families or we lead our friends. So I think once we, we have to get comfortable with recognizing that we are in a way leading our lives and leading others and inspiring others. Um, and I, I mentioned in the book by enough number of people, a number of women I approached to be in the book didn't want to. And they are so established. They are amazing, inspirational women that have such a message in education and business. They wouldn't see themselves as leading. And I think in a way, until we get over that hurdle, we're never going to have enough lead, female leaders on this planet. Well, and I think that's the brilliance of how you set the book up in that first section is about what leadership really is and your voice. Because I think back to my career at Walmart, the people that I considered mentors never knew it. I mean, they'd have formal mentoring and they always picked some really high ranking person with a really fancy title and a great office to talk to the minions, you know, because that's inspirational. But the people that I looked to and kind of monitored and thought, you know, what would this person do in this situation? Or I would ask them, but I never actually said the words to them. And I think if I did, they would have that exact same response those women did. Like, oh, like, I'm not anybody. But it's more than like you say in the book, the um, uniform that you wear and how many stars you have on your shoulder or the number of people behind you. Leadership is how true you are to yourself, how you carry yourself, how you stay true to your yourself or your mission and the example that you provide for people. And I, what I've learned as I've gone through, and I can only imagine again with your journey, the more true you are to yourself and the more aligned you are with your values, you start to find people like that, right? You start to recognize that in other people. And then you find that you don't have time for people who don't understand that or aren't that place on their journey yet, which is healthy. Like you kind of mentioned moving away from some family or a divorce or that's healthy when you're doing that for the right reasons and you're not running or hiding from things, but you're actually holding on to those things is so important. But I do think we have a real problem with those societal norms and that speaking out is helpful. It doesn't, it's not braggadocious. It's not about your ego. It's just about telling other people like I did this and you can too. Yeah. No, right. And women, we're, we're not very good at that. We're just not very good at that. We, we like being humble. And also part of the problem, and I'm not blaming you, I'm just saying that actually a part of the problem for politics, for example, so I'm a director for 50-50 Parliament. Do you know one of the big pro reasons why women don't want to go into politics is because they see the aggression and the ego-driven side of politics in mostly men, women too, don't get me wrong, Theresa May did a fair bit on that front, but they do, they see that and they think, oh my gosh, A, I don't, I couldn't do that. B, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to be around that. But, but actually we need to be, we need to kind of square up to this and say, I don't need to be like that. I don't need to try and replicate that. I don't need anything to do with that, but I, I do need to own my space. 
and this is very much part of the message of showing up, is that you've got to own your space. You've got to own and value what you're here to do and what, what you can do and what everyone is. Potential such a kind of overused word, but actually it's really true. And, and too, too many women, especially mums, I mean, mums make great leaders. Mums make great politicians. For goodness sake, just get the White House full of mums. Just no brain or, or, or stay-at-home dads. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that parenting, like you said at the very beginning, gives you such skills and such an ability to think outside the box, to manage everything, to to see the bigger picture, see the forward picture. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's actually saying, well, I, I can be a leader. And when you get that moment when say when someone says, oh, you know, will, will you do X, Y, Z? And when you're given that opportunity to take a next step up, you don't shirk from it. You might feel nervous. You might feel a bit scared. But don't shirk. We've got to stop shirking from it. We've got to stop saying, oh, no, I'm not. I can't do that. You know, I can't write a chapter for a book. Yes, you can. You know, I mean, come on. We, we need to do this. We need to take a brave step and let go because actually the voice that's saying no you can't isn't my voice at my age now it's the six-year-old voice saying oh oh you might not do it very well you might get told off by the teacher right (laughs) or or little girls are supposed to be quiet right or you know how society and I think you brought up a great point because I think when I look back at my journey I think the first time I felt the and this is, you know, very dramatic, but the first time I felt the chains of expectations and society and my tie to like what I'd always known as normal was when they handed me that baby at the hospital. And I started thinking about things that happened to me as a child, the way I was parented, which I have two amazing parents, but I'm parenting in a different time in a different way. And there's a lot of expectations on you as parents. And if you get on social media, that's when it gets real judgy and awful. And I mean, I look at I'm an Anglophile. I love everything British. So I look at Harry and Meghan and I think they had to leave a country. Like they had all of these expectations and traditions. I really felt that coming off when my husband and I made a decision, like how we were going to parent and we just were not going to listen to people. And I think that was the first time I felt like a little bit empowered to do that. So that goes back to even more of that mom because you kind of become that mama bear and you kind of feel a little sense of control and you think, Oh, can do this in other areas of my life. So I, not that you have to be a parent to be a leader, because that certainly isn't the case, but I do think there's something there to lean on. Yeah, I think so. And I'm in a lot of networking groups and one of them is uh, specifically, there are so many women in that group that are doing something really different, but they're all divorced and they're all mothers. That's not a coincidence. There's no, no it's not. You know, there's there's a there's a point where when you have to when you've had to face adversity and you've had to really strive, but actually, like you're saying, you have to step into your own skin and say, right, okay, I can be me now. I've been a wife, an unhappy wife, you know, like some of us for a while. Let go of that, and I can just start being me. And it is all about our norm set, and it's all about the training, and even like you say, with even with a very nurturing family uh, um, to bring you up you can still feel that you've got to be doing what everyone else did and I did you know I come from the west country um, and a lot of people there would go into certain companies and stay there and you know half half of my 
friends, my family, half of them think I'm absolutely nuts, you know, because I've got the CV I have. In some ways I am, but I'm very happy, grounded and and very authentically nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, and there's, if you see something you want to learn about, you know, you can go learn it. So right. right. You have that. It's amazing. I learn it. You know, I, I, I learn really quickly, like super quick. It's like I've, I've learned, learned how to publish in a matter of weeks because mm-hmm. I just, I, I just soak everything up. I always have, I've always read so much and I've absorbed things so quickly and grasped them very quickly. So, but I think we can all have this moment where we can just go, actually, I don't need to be like the people around me. And I've had to do that three times on a very major scale. And it's no reflection of them and it's no no disrespect of them. I've suddenly realized I'm in the wrong place and I need to change that. And it's only me that needs to change that. It's not them that need to change. And it's with love and kindness. And you just, but you have to do something and that's either move or move your tribe or move your job. But you, you know, you've got to take that moment to go, actually, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, I just need to change where I am. Well, and I had a conversation with uh, somebody in a mastermind group yesterday about how I've learned I've got a time limit now on if I'm reading an email or I'm having a conversation or whatever it is. And I feel like I'm getting down that rabbit hole because we were trying to talk about learning something new for Pinterest or whatever. And I said, I'm going to give it 12 minutes. That's my mark these days. Like if I'm 12 minutes in and I don't feel it, I'm moving on. And I don't think I wouldn't have done that 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I would have been like, okay, well, maybe it's not this article. I need to go find 10 more. And I would have wasted so much time and space. And that would not have been where I needed to be in the moment. Um, And I, it's funny, I interviewed my husband for this podcast because I talk a lot about my journey. And we've been married 19 years and I've spent over half of those in some form of graduate school. And it's because the journey I chose was you had to have a degree to get the door to open. And I'm so grateful that there are far more journeys for other people out there and they don't have to do that because that's an awful albatross to wear. But my (laughs) husband and I started our marriage in transition. We've both transitioned several times throughout. And if I come to him and say, hey, I think I want to try this now, he he will tell me if he thinks I'm going to be good or bad at that. But there's no, we started our marriage that way. And I think when you and I talk about divorce, you know, and what those women are doing, it's not to glorify divorce, but it's to say, you have to think about how did you come to love and get involved with this person? And what has that relationship brought for each of you? And I bet if people are serious about it, someone's always been in front and it's probably not the wife. And that's when I think you really have to stop and think, is this really what I want? And there are ways to change that dynamic, but then there are ways that you can't. So I think, you're right. And when people, while you were talking about writing the list and things, I was taken back. I worked at Walmart and did training in the 90s. And the seven habits of highly effective people, that Covey thing was so big. And we talked about spending your time intentionally. And we had this activity we used to do. So I would give them index cards. And again, management at Walmart in the 90s, all men usually, I'd have a, a smattering of females, but it was usually a room full of men. And I'd make them write down what's important to them. And some would loop or like lump family all on one index card and then put things on the other index cards. And some would say, put their wife on one and then their kids on one. But I would tell them to hold those and that they had to slowly start to put a card down. And by the end of this, I would have grown men crying and I would have to take a break. And it was before we had smartphones. So they would go line up at the payphone, and a lot of them would call home because if you ask them their why, 
they would say, oh, I work this hard for my family. But then when you take a look at where you spend your time and your energy and your intentionality and where you are really focused, it's not on your family. (laughs) So they had these realizations. So I think there's so much power in exposing yourself to the, to these books and these different formats, like your, your um, YouTube channel and all these messages over and over and over again until you believe it and you do the work and you figure out what your next thing is, because it could be something simple or it could be a huge transition for people, but it's not going to be easy. I don't think anything is ever easy. No, but, but actually joy in it. Um, and when you oh, start yeah. living life that, that is, feels really true to you, um, then actually it is easier because you also let go of those false values that you had that you think are really important values, but actually they're not. Um, and actually realize you can live without. And I'm sure, you know, there are people realizing that right now in these difficult times that actually I used to, oh my gosh, I'm like Mrs. Sociable. I'm always out partying. I'm like always out for a drink with my friends. I'm in town in London. And I obviously haven't been out for, I don't know, I've, I've given up counting. Am I? <laughs> A little bit, but actually in the scheme of things, I realize that that's not my value. My value is being able to go out and I've still been going out and going out for long walks. And I've got so much value from that, from just being able to literally go and explore and just go walking. Um, and I still can keep in touch with friends on Zoom and everything else. So, um, but yeah, I just, I just want to pick up a really good point you, you made because obviously, the, the 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 whole point of the book was not to be um, a lecture. It's not not like how you know, to be a woman leader. You must do this because those books were already written, and I didn't want to write a book like that anyway. Um, but the whole point, the, another really big point of this book was to create a conversation with men and women, because men have had to lead in a certain way, and I don't think there are many men that would happily say that they are happy leading autocratically. You know, like, you know, it's almost like bordering on narcissism. That there's many reasons. Um, so part of the purpose of the book was to actually create a conversation about how men can lead differently. And this is what women can do. Women can show men. Jacinda Ardern at the moment, she's showing male leaders around the world. Oh, look, I can do this holding my baby. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that's a slightly overused term, but it, it's kind of true a young mum she's got a supportive husband but she's managed to lead in such an authentic compassionate way um, and with making some incredibly powerful strong decisions when needed because you know it's not just about being fluffy and going oh well you know let's all think about what we have to do here and feel feel terrible for everyone else it's not just about compassion but when you start leading from a different place and again it's always back from within right you start leading from within you know, if men start doing that too, and actually almost that's, that's almost like one of my biggest aims for this message and this movement as well, because there'll be, there'll be more books to come in the women leadings, many more to come. Um, but it's to give uh, for us women to also recognize that we can show men how to do it differently. They've been trained to do it that way. Um, you know, it's all about letting go of our training going actually. We, everything's a choice. Life is one big choice after another. Well, and I think the brilliant thing about how you approach the book is, to your point, it's not a checklist. It's not 10 easy, ten ways to step up and be a leader. It's their stories. These women and a couple of men telling stories. 
And you get some insights into what that journey looked like. How did it feel? Where was the vulnerability? What was the outcomes? And I do think it's as powerful as seeing a photograph of a politician on at work with holding a baby, right? The more we see that, the more we think, okay, that can ha- that's a thing that can happen. I'm familiar with that. And I think the more everyone in leadership reads these stories in these chapters that, that your contributors have compiled, you understand when you're about to do what we've always done in a situation, you stop and you can reflect back on something that came through in that book and a message in someone else's journey. And you think, oh, wait, I don't want to do that to somebody. Or I can impact a different outcome right here, right now. And that's empowering. So I'm going to take back what I said earlier. I'm not sending this book just to women. I'm going to send this book to a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. And I do think that is the tone of the book is that it's not like, girl power and we're not trying to hold anybody down. We're trying to lift everybody and that's going to take a lot of hands, but yeah, that's a really good point. And I love the collaborative collaborative nature of the book because you do get a sense that it is more than a title. It's, it's more about your experience and those types of, what is your favorite chapter in the book? Do you have a favorite? I should probably ask that first. Be no. hard. <laughs> Some, uh, kind of their friends, what before they are now (sighs) or maybe the one you weren't expecting right like you knew when you asked these people they had great stories to tell but did you read one and think well that's even better than I was expecting so I love Richard Bella's chapter so he writes about wholeness and he writes about energy and obviously being a Reiki practitioner and someone who has studied Buddhism and you know I've valued the whole point of energy and how we're all connected and everything we have in ourselves is connected but we connect we connect with ourselves and then we connect with the outside world that that happened tears actually I just there was something that he wrote in there that just really connected with me and from I and from a man to write that as well that had a lot of impact for me um, Laurel Rond is someone I've known many years and I've done some voice work with myself so she's helped me to become a singer and become. She sent me a beautiful message earlier about the book launch this morning and how she was felt blessed. And I said, Laurel, part of the reason I'm only doing this is because you helped me in your treatment. She does sound therapy. And she knows everything there is to know about the voice and sound. And she gave me sound therapy. Uh, it must be eight years ago when I moved to Oxfordshire and I went on a sound course with her. And that was one of the pivotal moments of my life as well, because she made me realize that I didn't speak at all. I did, but I didn't really speak. I just words came out, but they had no meaning. Um, And so she has helped me. So her her chapter, when she writes about Hestia being thrown off the mountain by her own brother, she wouldn't do enough household chores. And obviously I'm talking about Greek mythology, but am I? Not really, because, you know, sadly, we still live in a world. Um, Danielle Chill's chapter very much kind of highlights this, that there are so many, so many women around the world that literally believe their purpose on this planet is to do the dishes. Um, and that is that exists and it exists in every culture, but horribly in developing culture, countries, obviously, because they just don't see any other option. And Danielle Chill and the Coco Global movement 
for sure connecting with her which I literally only did a month ago I mean I didn't know her didn't know her all that that enterprise but hearing how she has created what I believe is a blueprint for changing millions of women's lives around the world by creating an enterprise that gives women something they can learn easily it gives them a framework that they can do something with that product they're creating to sell it it gives them skills to then use that and learn to read and write as well again we want to attach some kind of financial ability to that because sadly the women don't know how to control the money they don't know how to manage it um but she has created in that enterprise i believe a blueprint that we can literally through an app that i'm going to create uh to women around the world that they could all create some kind of knitting or something creative from their homes from their huts wherever they live with hardly anything and um, they can start something that then can change their lives and give them that moment to take that that decision to make a difference i made a decision to leave, leave my husband um you know and thankfully i got some borrowed some money from a f- member of the family and rented a house straight away but not everyone can do that not everyone can just go oh okay i'm going to put myself in a different environment and obviously there are women in in the uk and the us that can't do that if you live in a remote village in india you really can't do that right. so so you know it it's i think danielle's um chapter actually probably was the one that just blew me away because the purpose of that her what she's achieved and the story behind it is actually the root of what this book is about for me helping women like Sita who lives in southern india change people's lives like that that's the real ripples that we can create I, I, the power of that when we think how far we've come you know we're sitting here talking about creating an app and there are people that don't have electricity in, in parts of the world and when they get it they again think well I don't, I don't know what to do with that so just being able to reach all these corners of the world and people that are in such different situations and i do think that's the humbling thing that has come from this pandemic is you know i obviously spend my time with college students and i i recorded like a little race says you should do a love letter to these college students right now because the, these students that are graduating everything is just but i try to get them to understand like this isn't happening to your university it's not happening to your town it's not happening to your state it's not happening to your country like this is happening to all of us and it's a reset. You know, you you talk about these experiences that you have as wake-up calls. I I think as society globally, we are in the middle of one of those right now and I'm a little bit excited about some of the disruption that's coming from that, I think. Um and speaking of college students, what would your message be with all of this experience and these journeys and things if you were going to talk to a group of college students, what would you say to them today? I'd say just spend a couple of hours sat down and look at a piece of paper and a pen or on your on your tablet whatever and saying what exactly are you doing with your life and literally write down you almost like do a resume of what you your life is and what you've done what you are planning to do right now and then do your values work So look at your values and get to the root of what the values are that matter to you and then look at them and compare them. And so many you know and so many students it's so easy to do but they will suddenly realize that actually this is what matters to me right now and by the way permission to change your life hello 
you know, just because, and this is another sort of caveat, really, you are allowed to change your life at any point. It's your life, right? Mm-hmm. So and it's a gift. Why would you waste a gift? Actually, and we've never been taught that lesson more now than now. Um, but look at those values. So actually, am I really achieving and adhering to the value set that I personally have? Not my family, not my mum, not my dad, not my brothers, sisters, whoever, my friends. Am I really adhering to those values or what am I not tapping into? And if you are, great, then keep going, but also give yourself permission to be different. So if you want to be, I don't know, um, if you want to go down the tech route and go down to software, to, you know, but you've got some kind of creative thought and you think, well, actually, I want to do X, Y, Z, but nobody's doing that. Can I do that? Yes, you can. And there's no such thing as failure. There's just only learning points in life. And I really believe that. So just try something. If it doesn't work, you've learned. Move on to something else, um, you know. And don't and, tr- and let go of the fear of it. This has to work really well. No, best things that have happened to me are the things that haven't worked. They're the best things because life happens for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, the, the choices I've made that haven't worked out are the best things that have happened to me in some ways because they've helped me to grow and become who I am now. So. So I just say, really take a moment and say, well, am I really doing the college course I want to? What am I planning to do afterwards? Is this my voice? Is this my internal voice? Or is this my mom's? Or is this my best mate's who's also doing that? It doesn't work, folks. It catches up with you in the end. Believe me, I've been there. I've done that. It doesn't work. The only reason why I became a police officer was to become an important person. Um, and the only person that I really was trying to prove that to wasn't me as one of my family members. Wow. So I went through police training. I nearly got killed a number of times, spent nine years being stressed, unhappy for someone else. Really? Yeah. And I tell the story when I left Walmart, I called my dad to say, I'm going to become a teacher. Like I'm going back to school and I'm going to become a teacher. And he hung up on me. (laughs) He was like, I worked so hard for you to go to college and I wanted you to get to work for a good company, take care of the company and let the company take care of you. And I said, what about me strikes you as needing to be taken care of? (laughs) I've never been that person. And he thought, well, I guess that's true. And I think, wow, what would have been cool about having that conversation 10 years ago? And (laughs) You know, I I couldn't probably have done that. But I think you bring up a great point when you start to, not that I want to promote comparison, but what is it about what your parents or family or society or professors or friends, your tribe, what drives you crazy? Like what gets on your nerves? What makes you feel like that? That's the power of that list too, because maybe you don't have enough experience to to recognize those signs. But yeah, I think that's a great message. Yeah, for and, them too. And it needs to feel right from within. So, you know, every single client comes that comes to me, I say, what does your gut tell you? What's your intuition telling you? It's where the internal voice comes from. And that is that all comes from the gut. So many people have IBS and stomach problems. That's because they're not tuning into their emotions, they're switching off the speaker. And actually, they need to be switching up to maximum. Mm-hmm. I, I suffered myself when I was much younger, but it was because I never listened to what my gut was saying. I just tuned it off, turned it off, turned off the volume, 
Um, so turn up your intuition. Make make the brave step of actually verbalizing something. So it's very powerful to create energy by saying to just someone you can confide in or someone you trust or even just to your phone. I would love to, you know, run a football team, whatever, or soccer, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. You know, I would love to. My desire, my dream would be, or desire is a better word than dream because dream is a bit ethereal. I desire to run a football team, you know, and so one of my TV shows ideas, and I've got quite a few of them, but one of them on the show that are in management that just aren't too happy with where they are. And then getting them, narrowing it down to them, say, what would you love to do? And if for people to say, I want to run a, a coffee shop in the middle of Madison, um, you know, and serve tea and coffee to like elderly people all day, you know, and give people the opportunity to consider that their life could be so different if they were internally fulfilled. Mm-hmm. What we, if for the students can start doing right now, don't wait till you're my age to wait. <laughs> Well, and then keep the two words out of your vocabulary, should, which I call that shoulding all over yourself, right? Don't should. Don't (laughs) talk about what you should do. And the other one is but, because whatever usually is coming after the but is your limiting conversation, right? Like, I want to do this coffee and tea shop, but it won't make money or but it's expensive or but. Oh, shut that down. Like, don't, when you are getting ready to add something to it, then that's when you're stepping outside, I think, of your truth. And you shouldn't do that. (laughs) Absolutely. You you and I are on the same page. Can we add another one for women? I'm sorry. We need to ditch that phrase. I did a whole entire podcast. Listen to that. Brilliant. We're on the same page, aren't we? So here's another word. And I would love to, because we talk a lot about making action and just doing things. Where does patience fall in here for you? How do you talk to people? Because we do tend to be very bad at that. But then you don't want to delay your action. But having patience, I think, is another tough one. Well, I think patience is the outcome of trust. So I think actually trust is where it all starts from. And you trust a picture. So I believe in God. I believe in the universe. And I believe that there is always the right thing happening to us. And when you start trusting yourself in that picture, as well as the big picture, and whatever you want to call it, whatever you see it as. But when you start trusting that life is happening for you, not to you, then the patience comes. It's a byproduct because you suddenly, and I honestly, I've been a very impatient person before, and I still can be now. Um, but I've really learned to just trust that it will all happen when it's meant to, you know, and it, and when you start letting go of that necessity for a date for by X, it's good to set targets, good to say, right, okay, by um, this time next year, I'm going to have a retreat in Santa Barbara. I cannot wait. Um, but I've got to trust that that would all come together. Uh, I've got to trust that the house I want is going to be there. And I've got to trust that people are going to pay to come on that. <laughs> um, you know, you can, you can only put something out. And then you have to trust and allow everything else to come. Um, part of my sharing completely, part of my bigger picture with life is that I want to own a house um, in southern southern England. I want to move to another part of England. I rent at the moment. I am trusting that that will happen at the right time. You know, I, I I love where I live. I live in London, in a beautiful house. I'm ready to own my own property again. But you you've got to let go of that that kind of control. Got to let go and just allow the trust to come in. But ultimately, where does the trust start from? 
it all starts from ourselves. Right. Because yourself and just trusting those decisions and when those decisions come from within it becomes much much easier to do that that i don't know that i ever built that bridge before so quickly between patience and trust that was beautiful oh thank you (laughs) i've learned the hard way (laughs) right well and that's what the brilliance of going and being a teacher there's no better teacher than experience and you are no shy person when it comes to getting new experiences so i think that's great How can people here in the U.S., I know you have all the things I'm going to list from your website and your LinkedIn, all the different ways we can uh, consume your content, but what would be the best steps, I think, for people to get more Joe? Oh, bless. So the Mejo show on my YouTube channel, um, you know, there's there's some really good chapters and I'm actually proud of myself for for getting, getting all that content out there. They have been such a joy. So I am blessed to have a phenomenal circle of friends and perhaps I can get you on my show. So the immediate show, I must admit, is is I'm really proud of those those shows and they're they're really different. There's a whole array from imposter syndrome to um to Ayurvedic help to um to centeredness, uh to getting your haircut, doing your haircut yourself. So <laughs> there's one show like that. There's um uh, there's two shows. My favorite and my most popular shows are by my very good friend Reverend Judith Lee. Um, she is an Anglican um, minister here, but they aren't sermons. They aren't services. She just talks about life in such a way that you just want to kind of drink it up. She's amazing. Oh, wow. Um, so a whole those but i am definitely on linkedin for anyone who's watching or listening um sorry who wants to kind of connect with me in that fashion i'm all over linkedin um yes i've got an instagram uh post everything's in my name um occasionally i tweet too (laughs) um but yeah my (laughs) website if you want to contact directly with me go to my website and email me directly that's the best way really but connect on LinkedIn, uh, but always write a message on LinkedIn because you must be the same. Get so many requests to to, to, to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Actually, unless you've written a message, it's like, well, actually, what have you really got to say to me? Because you may just be contacting me to sell to me, and that's fine, but I'm sorry, I just don't have time to, to right. come, you know. Um, so, yeah, and obviously just engage with the book, um, Women Leading, it's the first of many, many books that kind of come out about equality, about leadership. Um, the next one will be Women lead, women Leading Founders. And there will be technology. Uh, there will be uh, politics. Uh, there will be a U.S. A special one as well. Um, so, yeah, just that that is a great conversation. And there's a group on LinkedIn, Women Leading Global, um, which you can ask to join on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, and that's the other thing. I read all these things about you and I thought, well, we need for her to write a book about her whole journey and everything else. But the fact that you are not doing it from that direction and that you're bringing on all of these other powerful people just speaks to how you approach life and how you want other people to approach their life, which I think is amazing. So thank you so much. I know this has been a crazy week for you (laughs) because of all the things you do in in a regular week, but with the book launch. So taking time out to talk to me today, I appreciate so much. And I look for more and I'm going to get all over that YouTube channel. Cause when you said imposter syndrome, that's my next um, big thing to talk about on my podcast. So it's, that's something we all struggle with so much. 
interview T- Tara H- Halliday is her name, and it, she is amazing. She's great to be interviewed as well, to, uh, to, to interview rather. Um, yeah, speak to her. She knows everything about it. She's all over it. She's great. I'm so excited to follow you now. This has been a great introduction. Um, Ray rarely ever, well, okay, never leads me wrong. So (laughs) I appreciate so much getting to know you and introducing you to everyone that I possibly can here in the US because we definitely need um, more of everything that you're talking about from just our personal journey, our personal brand finding our superpower. And I, I wrote this down and this is what I texted to my friend yesterday, because when you signed off that blog post with love, light and kryptonite, I I was like, I had a little moment. I said, I texted it to my friend and I was like, how much of our life can we look at through the lens of love, light and kryptonite? Because kryptonite, I think when you start to discover yourself and you, you own your superpower the kryptonite comes in from all these societal norms that we talk about. And you have to really just bask in the fact that you can't let it in. So, oh, so many powerful things. You just have a way with all the forms of words. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It's been such a joy. So I really didn't mean to have two back-to-back British guests. I just worked out that way. And if you know me, you know I'm slightly unhealthily obsessed with British culture and the royal family and all the things. So it's even more ironic that I would have done this. But when I was talking to Ray and we were working through things about his last episode, he did mention Joe and she had a book coming out the same week. So it just felt right. But hopefully you really enjoyed this and make sure you check the show notes where you can see all the different things that she talked about in terms of link to her book and her um, YouTube television channel and LinkedIn and all those things. Speaking of ways to connect with people, I wanted to let you know that I started a Facebook group for this podcast called Conversations with Anna. Uh, podcast, online community, you can find us through your search bar there on Facebook and join because we've already got a few people that love to just kind of continue a conversation, have more dialogue, share resources and ideas. Hopefully I'll be having some special guests um, continuing conversations that we've had on the podcast and would love to have you join. So again, you can always go to goldenticketprof.com, which is my website. There's the Facebook page. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those fun places. But I hope you'll join us on our Facebook group. (music) 